Greetings in Christ Jesus, and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined once again today by Pastor Neil Radical. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity in Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. How are you today, Pastor? Very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, excited to, to uh, share God's word with you today. You have a section for us to begin our study on today? Yes, we're looking at the familiar account, hopefully familiar account from John 11, chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Those two verses there, we're ending with that question. We want to understand the context. Jesus is talking to Martha. Martha and Mary's brother Lazarus had just died. They were close friends. They're all close friends with Jesus and his disciples because in the town of Bethany there, they had stayed several different times as they were traveling through the area. And so this Lazarus was a close friend of Jesus as well. Martha and Jesus had this discussion before Jesus got there. Now this is four days after the actual death of Lazarus. And Martha is discussing what the resurrection will be like in the sense of she knew that if Jesus had been there with all the healings that she'd witnessed him doing and all the power that he had, Lazarus would have been able to stay alive and not die. Of course, we know from earlier in John that Jesus had deliberately waited those four days to show once again his power over life and death. So when Jesus responds to Martha's confession that I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection, Jesus reminds her of his power as the true son of God. I am the resurrection of life. And so I want to talk with you, Pastor Nauman, a little bit about those two points. And obviously you can bring up whatever you want as far as your own thoughts too. But when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, we don't attribute this to necessarily one of the seven statements of Jesus. We do, but in the same way, it's like he's just saying it to Martha at this time, but he obviously makes it to all of us in the sense of his power over life and death. So as far as attributed to go with those other seven statements, I think one of the differences we see here is that this is made to an individual versus a whole group when he's discussing things. So it's important for us to remember that when he says that, he does show his power as the eternal son of God to point us to the fact that not only does he have power over raising Lazarus from the dead, as we see that's going to take place here later on, in just a few more verses, but also he has power to raise us from the dead also, which is what he's reminding Martha with his second statement. Whoever lives and believes in Jesus will never die. So that's, I think that's a tough part about this section. How do we understand that we will never die? My point in usually talking about this would be when we never die, it doesn't mean we're not going to die here on this earth. He's talking about having life, eternal life in Jesus' name. So we're talking about the death and resurrection here. And so some people went on to believe that Lazarus would never die again after Jesus rose him from the dead. But he's talking about the faith that saves for eternal life, not just the power that when he raises someone from the dead. And so when Jesus is reminding Martha of this before he raises her brother from the dead. He ultimately questions her. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha, that I have the power over life and death? Because remember, she was just trusting in her in his power to heal. 
and remembering that and being reminded by Jesus that he also had power over death itself, which he's about to show. So ultimately, I think the, the encouragement to us is that Jesus asks us the same question. Do you and I believe this? Do we believe that Jesus has power over life and death? Do we believe that he's going to raise our bodies from death or raise our loved ones from death as well when he returns? And ultimately, Jesus proves that by going on to raise Lazarus and himself later on after his death on the cross for our sins. He also shows the power of himself being raised from the dead to give us that joy and that confidence of eternal life in heaven. So this is a very powerful gospel section here that again reminds us Jesus clearly says who he is and what he has the power to do, giving us that confident hope of eternal life. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, I think it almost sounds contradictory when you read it the first time. You know, it says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. But then it says, he who lives and believes me shall never die. So, you know, when it talks about death and you're were, you were mentioning there, um, Jesus is clearly talking about two different kinds of death here. He says, though he may die, he shall live. And it says, he shall never die. So when we talk in Holy Scripture uh, about death, there's really three different types of death that the Bible talks about. And the first is, would be, uh, physical death, which is the separation of soul and body. Uh, when, this, when the soul leaves the body, that is physical death. And that's what we see Jesus talking about in verse 25, as you mentioned. Um, he who believes in me, though he may die, so though his soul may separate from his body, he shall live. And then in, the, in verse 26, when it says he, sh- he lives and believes in me, shall never die. You know, he's not talking about physical death, because as you mentioned, you know, Lazarus did die. There's actually a tomb on the island of Cyprus that's uh, purported to be the tomb of Lazarus. It's, there's an engraving on it that says, here lies Lazarus, friend of Jesus, twice dead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whether that's real or not, you know, and I don't know for sure. But the idea, of, of course, Lazarus was raised, but he died. Uh, the widow at Nain, her son, was raised, but he died. Um, everyone who was raised by a miracle in the Bible uh, uh lived again but also died again and that's the big difference between jesus christ being the resurrection and and all these other resurrections that he uh caused miracles to take place here on this earth is that uh uh, when jesus rose from the dead he rose never to die again uh he lives and reigns holding the keys of death and and uh satan and all his evil powers have no power over our lord and savior jesus christ and that's why he can boldly proclaim i am the resurrection and the life you know the opposite of of resurrection is death in a tomb. The opposite of life is death. And Christ is the opposite of those things because he has conquered those things for us. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered death. And because of that, now we have no reason to fear death. And that's where, of course, Martha makes this beautiful confession on uh, the next verse following the section uh, when after Jesus asked, do you believe this? She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. And isn't that the isn't that the key to uh, your and my confidence as well? Is that because of who Christ is, and because of what He's done for us, and because He's conquered physical death and spiritual death and eternal death, uh, which is what we deserve uh, because of our sins, because He suffered that for us, because He faced that death on the cross. Uh, now we can trust in Him and and know and believe absolutely confidently that uh, eternal life is ours and that death has no power over us. Thank you very kindly for the points that you made about the three different types of deaths. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, 
help us remember that the life we live is a short one here in this world. And the life that you've given us is for eternity. Through your work on the cross, through your suffering, you have promised us an eternal life where there is no more sin, sorrow, suffering, or sadness ever again. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for your continual mercy in this life. Help us to cling to you and to your cross and to your promises of this resurrection that we have through you, who has conquered death for us once and for all. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the word that comforts our hearts that are aching at times and continue to bless us by using us to share that good news, the gospel of eternal life through you, our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be with us and bless us in your saving name we pray. Amen. Number of updates and reminders for you this week as we uh, continue the ministry here at Emmanuel. Uh, today is Wednesday, May 12th. Uh, tonight at 7 o'clock, our Wednesday evening Bible class will continue. We'll be going through our What Does What We Believe document and uh, continuing to prepare that for our website. So two days ago, our uh, we had a congregational meeting for the Sanctuary Improvement Committee. That would May Monday, May tenth at seven o'clock. And I want to thank everyone who came to that meeting and pray that you felt as though your voices were heard on this important work that we're doing for our sanctuary. Uh, the the Improvement Committee is planning on presenting at the voters meeting, which is coming up this next Monday, uh, May seventeenth uh, at seven o'clock as well. So voters, please keep that in mind. We have a number of uh, items on our agenda, including membership matters. Uh, those uh, sanctuary improvement items and also the kindergarten call. Uh, pray that you uh, all note that and uh, please uh, plan on attending that seven o'clock voters meeting. This coming Thursday, so that be, that'd be tomorrow, uh, May 13th, we have a 6 p.m. Ascension Day worship service. Uh, pray that you can join us for that as we celebrate our Savior who is uh, ascended into heaven, who's now reigning and ruling at the right hand of God. Uh, this coming weekend, our worship service continues as we look through the book of Revelation. Uh, Pastor Radical has been leading us the past few weeks on different love letters uh, to the Lord, uh, from the Lord to us, excuse me. And uh, that series will be continuing this weekend uh, as we take a look at our, our third weekend of letters. I guess that'll be our fourth letter this week then. Uh, as we look at that. Uh, also important to note this coming uh, Saturday uh, is our Saturday uh, work day. So that's going to go be from eight o'clock to 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. So hope, hopefully we can get a lot of people show up for that for our uh, cleaning day here at the facility. So uh, please come and attend that if you're able to and help us to um, beautify our, our building that God has given to us. A couple more uh, upcoming things to uh, keep in mind, graduation and last day of school is May 21st, uh, graduation services in the evening, uh, so we've had it historically on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning, but now this year it's going to be Friday evening, uh, May 21st at 6 p.m. Also, uh, 10 days after that, our Memorial Day service will take place at Pilgrim's Rest uh, cemetery at 10 a.m. Hope you can join us for that. Last thing I want to highlight, uh, please save the date for the Vacation Bible School this summer, which will be July 12th through the 16th. Uh, we have some sign-up sheets in the entryway already for anybody who'd like to help sign up and work at VBS this summer. Um, also, if, if you can also shoot me an email or give me a call if you'd like to help with that too. Um, finally, I'd like to just um, continue to note uh, the 50th anniversary of the Church fire uh, from 1971 took place uh, then, and we're planning on commemorating that this summer too, so please stay tuned for that as well. On our prayer list this week, just want to uh, thank the Lord for the successful banquet that took place on Saturday evening. 
Uh, the Lord blessed that effort by our, our high school and faculty and all the work that was put in by the families of Emmanuel. So thank the Lord for that. Also keeping our prayers, Marie Meyer uh, would be Grace Schreier's sister. She's still dealing with cancer. We also give thanks to the Lord for the deliverance of Lori Bren, uh, Carla Omanson's sister, who was uh, taken home to heaven on May 4th uh, last week. So thank the Lord for that and uh, pray the Lord give comfort to Carla and her whole family. And lastly, I want to highlight uh, Sam and Alicia Howley had a little baby boy named Asher uh, this past week, and we thank the Lord for a safe delivery there. Uh, the baptism date is to be determined at this point, but we uh, give thanks that uh, Asher was born healthy and whole into this world, and give thanks with Sam and Alicia the, for this great blessing from the Lord. This brings us to our doctrine of the day today. Uh, this can Today we'll be concluding our study of 1 Corinthians 15. Now we've been going chunk by chunk as we go along here, and today we will be wrapping up. So you want to introduce this for us, Pastor? So, so we're looking at, basically, we've been talking about the resurrection appearances in the first section, resurrection logic, verses 10 through 19. Paul uses a lot of good logic there. Resurrection first fruits, which we'll be mentioning a little bit today in our discussion, and then resurrection, our resurrection body, what that'll be like, as in verses 27 through 49. And now in the last verses here, 50 through 58, we're looking at the resurrection confidence we have. And so we're looking at, first of all, in verse 54 of 1 Corinthians 15. Again, this whole section would be worth going back to read if you had a chance to do that. It's not a very long section, but again, when the Apostle Paul says, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. It's kind of a weird phrase. Death is swallowed up in victory. What's the first thought that comes to your mind, Pastor, when you, when you hear that phrase there that Paul used? I guess I, I was thinking about how earlier we talked about death in the connection with Lazarus and how Christ conquered death and, you know, through the victory of Christ that, uh, uh, almost like a giant dragon eating something, you know, like a, the, the victory that Christ won has engulfed this, uh, once terrible enemy of death. Yeah. So I like that idea, you know, you maybe think of Jonah and the fish also. And I think of how Jesus uses that picture of him being in the grave and then coming back to life, you know, and so you see Jonah was, you know, disobeying the Lord and that was, he was swallowed up in that and the Lord humbled him through that. And so that our own death humbles us knowing that we are mortals. And that's what Paul's pointing to here. Our mortal flesh will put on immortality. Death will be swallowed up in victory. And so it goes on to this next phrasing here. Death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? I, I know we sing about these phrases in a lot of hymns, and I almost wonder if that whole idea of the death of swallowed in victory is some of the hymns that they would have sung in the early Christian church. I know some of the Psalms speak about this victory. We Obviously, Psalm 23 talks about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. So we have these concepts in Old Testament, New Testament times that point to our resurrection in the Lord, and our true God. And so the death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? The two things that I normally think of when it comes to that is the death in the self is the sting of it is the sorrow. And one of the things that we often talk about is we don't sorrow as people who have no hope. We have, we have sorrow that is reminded of this resurrection. We have sorrow when a loved one is departed from us, 
but we know through Christ all in the grave will rise. So we know that it's it's a it's a temporary thing when a loved one passes. We know the believers who died in the in the Lord, as we heard about from Martha and Jesus' conversation, those believers will get to meet each other in heaven one day soon. And so that's what really removes that sting of death. The illustration I've heard many times is when a bee stings you, it only stings once, and then it has no power anymore to sting you again. And so in the same way, we think of death stings us in the sense of our, as you mentioned earlier, our temporal death, but the eternal death, Hades, that has no victory over us, like you pointed out earlier so well, because we have Christ who's conquered death and hell for us once and for all and paying for every single one of the sins that we've done against our Lord. The punishment we should have deserved, Christ has fulfilled by giving us his righteousness freely on the cross. So that sting of death is our sin. Strength of sin is the law, but we give praise to God. We thank, speed to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Any comments on those first two verses I mentioned? Yeah, I think with uh, the st- that, that explanation in verse 56, the sting of death is sin. You know, if there was no, if there was no sin in this life, there would be no death. But, but imagine for a moment life with death without sin, which is an impossibility. But, but this is kind of the, the theory that, that Paul wants us to imagine for a second. Imagine if there was no sin, but there still was death. Uh, there would be no fear in death, right? If, if, if we were all perfect and then we, we died, well, the, you know, whatever comes next, we don't have to be worried about. That's what makes death such a scary thing is because we have each and every one of us has a guilty conscience. That's why, again, you know, think of the jailer at Philippi who was about to take his own life. And then all of a sudden when Paul says, don't hurt yourself, uh, that man in, as he was facing his own eternity, his own death was terrified and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, the reason why death is so scary is because sin is very real. Um, and, that, and that's what makes death such a, a, a thing, a, an, an unknown, because, because when you die, you can't go with anybody. You can't hold anyone's hand. You are going from this life into the next life alone. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously you have Christ with you as a, as a believer, but if you did not have that, you'd be completely alone. Um, you can't walk hand in hand from uh, to to the next life with anybody else it's ter- it's a scary thing that's why people are so frightened of death and the power of sin now you know if the sting of death the reason death is so scary is because of sin because of your guilty conscience because of the law that god has given that's where it comes from the power of sin is the law you know when we look at god's law and we see how it condemns us and how it shows us that we fall short of it, of what he wants from us uh, we realize that that we are incapable of of being perfect as he would have us be perfect. You know, I was just reading and it was funny. I was reading in Joshua with the high school and they, there's a section where God talks or Joshua was talking to the people. He said, obey the Lord, your God, stay faithful to his word. And the people said, we will. And Joshua said, you're wrong. You can't. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's what, what uh, this whole chapter comes down to is first of all, recognizing your sin, recognizing the law. The reason why death is so scary uh, is because death uh, is a result of sin. And because of sin, uh, you have no right to expect a pleasant outcome after the end of your life here on earth because your life uh, was a miserable excuse for the godly life God wants you to live. But despite that, despite your 
shortcomings and despite your insufficiencies in so many ways, uh, Christ gives you the victory anyway. And isn't that, that's the beautiful thing here that, that Paul's been detailing all the way along is that uh, uh, it's the complete opposite of what you should expect after this life. You know, we all expect judgment after this life. The whole world does, you know, every religion teaches some sort of, some sort of a, a, a judgment based on what you do in this life. And, uh, and, but the beauty of the Christian religion is that uh, despite our shortcomings, Christ has won the victory for us. And now we have eternal life in his name. Uh, and so that's why the sting of death is gone. We don't have to be afraid of death. You know, that's, that's the, the, the worst part about death is the fact that I have sin when I die, but because of Christ, my sin are wiped, is wiped away. So we can proudly question with, with Paul here, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Uh, there, they've been wiped away. I like that Paul writes in First Thessalonians 4 that we don't have to be ignorant of these things, just so you, as you so beautifully laid out, why we don't have to be afraid because of Christ and his victory. I really like the last, this, the last verse is so empowering. It gives us that purpose that we have in our Lord Jesus and it gives us that joyful confidence that we have in serving him now when he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I don't know about you, but it can definitely feel like the labor that we do for the Lord seems like it's in vain at times, but this promise is such an encouragement that there's no reason for us to ever doubt that his word will continue to go out and not return to him void. It's not in vain. It will accomplish exactly what he pleases so we can be steadfast and immovable, trusting that the Lord is going to bless our work, uh, not just as pastors, but as all Christians, as we share the love of Christ who loved us first and has conquered sin, death, and the devil for us. Any other closing thoughts? Yeah. I, uh, what's that? How's it go? What happens when a unstoppable force runs into an immovable object or something? There's some like weird uh, physics hypothetical idea where, you know, an unstoppable force comes into contact with something that cannot be moved. You know, and I, I think that's, um, with God by our side, we are steadfast and immovable. You know, one of the most important attributes of God, I think, I always think of is, is God's immutability, which is a, a funny theology word, which just means unchangeable. God does not change in any way. He is absolutely immovable. He is absolutely steadfast. Though we are faithless, he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. God cannot change. And one of the most important things they teach us in seminary, uh, Pastor, you remember this, is faithfulness is one of the most important attributes for a pastor is to be faithful, to be there, to be present uh, for people when they need it uh, and to not be flitting around, moved about by every little whim and, and flutter movement of air or change in the world or whatever else might be happening, but to be consistent and strong in the word. And that's what the word enables us to do is to stand firm and to not be, be, you know, uh, whipped around or, or riled up by every little thing that comes our way. And, you know, we've had some, some events take place here at Emmanuel in the past year that could certainly rile us up or cause us to, to wonder about what, what our foundation is built upon. But, you know, as I reminded the confirmants a couple of weeks ago, when we build our foundation on Christ, uh, we are immovable. We are steadfast because he is our foundation. And because of that, we can know that everything that we do uh, in his, in his name with his, his blessing according to his will uh he will bless and accomplish what he wants to accomplish through it well said 
for those of you who are listening, as we conclude this First Corinthians 15 study, if, if you're interested in our brief notes on this, we're happy to send them to, to you. Just let us know. And uh, we hope that this has been an enjoyable recap during this Easter season to focus in on what we started with that Easter Sunday, that resurrection morning, with our responsive reading of 1 Corinthians 15. So thank you for joining us for that. As we close today, we're looking at the hymn of the day, which would be from the Lutheran hymnal, hymn 201, Jesus Lives the Victories One. I will be reading verses 1, 4, and 5. Jesus lives, the victories won. Death no longer can appall me. Jesus lives, death's reign is done. From the grave, Christ will recall me. Brighter scenes will then commence. This shall be my confidence. Jesus lives, I know full well. Not from me his love shall sever. Life, nor death, nor powers of hell, part me now from Christ forever. God will be a sure defense. This shall be my confidence. Jesus lives, and now is death, but the gate of life immortal. This shall calm my trembling breath when I pass its gloomy portal. Face shall cry as fails each sense. Jesus is my confidence. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Twin Steeples is a production of Emanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.